Hello and welcome to the second of the Lloyd's List podcasts sponsored by DNVGL. My name is Richard Clayton and I'm the Chief Correspondent at Lloyd's List. In our first podcast, The Road to Decarbonization with Eric Neuhus and Tora Longva, we heard that shipping is on the cusp of seeing a significant ramping up of its decarbonization efforts. There's a consensus at IMO that we need to move forward. Much of the initial push can be achieved through energy efficiency measures, but the industry has to start the second part of its journey to decarbonization, the trialing of alternative fuels, now. Joining me to discuss which fuels have medium-term potential for deep-sea shipping are Christos Krizakis, Business Development Manager at DNVGL Maritime, and Nave Mios, Director of DNVGL's Green Shipping Program. Welcome to you both. Thank you. We've recently seen the publication of the DNVGL Maritime 2050 forecast, which underlines the need to quicken the transition to LNG in spite of protests that LNG is a fossil fuel. Christos, why are you looking at backing LNG rather than encouraging an early shift to one of the cleaner alternatives? Thank you for this and uh, thank you for having us. We would actually uh, very much welcome an early shift to cleaner alternatives. Uh, and today there are some efforts to use uh, fuels like biofuels, for example, but they are quite limited, mainly due to lack of availability and also lack of financial or regulatory incentives. We also believe that we don't have time to waste in this, and it's important to start using the fuels that we have available today. And one of the very few options that we have available today is LNG, to some extent also LPG. And when the new fuels become available, we should start replacing the fossil fuels or their fossil counterparts uh, with their low carbon equivalent. So we can start with LNG and start replacing it with biogas or even biodiesel uh, in a dual fuel engine or even in a conventional engine as soon as this is available. And also it's possible to retrofit such uh, systems uh, to run on different fuels in the future. Now, having said all this, uh, we definitely support exploration of all potential options today. We think it's too early to close any doors. Um, And uh, we also think it's uh, a bit dangerous to to take a bet on a fuel that may or may not be available uh, 10 years from now, because there are a lot of uncertainties. So we believe it's good to start using what is available today. Looking at the deep sea shipping then, um, which of these fuels appears to you to be gaining ground early on? I think uh, liquid biofuels are definitely interesting. And the reason is that we can use them in the existing infrastructure. Um, The same is true for biogas. Uh, Currently, there are very small volumes available, but there are plans for increasing production. There are some companies already interested in using biogas, already actually using some biogas. And exactly the same is true for all other biofuels. If we look a little bit further into the future, uh, it seems that uh, methanol, uh, whether it's going to be biomethanol or synthetic methanol, is also very interesting. The reason is that it's a very, it's, it's the simplest hydrocarbon molecule, so it's relatively easy to produce. And uh, it's a fuel that we know quite well and it's easy to handle. 
And then, of course, ammonia um, has a potential uh, to be a good fuel. Uh, the technology is currently under, under development. Um, we need to wait a little bit until this is ready, but we are also working from our side on developing the uh, safety requirements. We know that ammonia is uh, very toxic, so we have to be very careful on how we handle it. Um, but uh, these fuels, methanol and ammonia, can also be uh, good candidates for the future because of their uh, relatively attractive energy density and uh, also because of the experience we have, at least with methanol so far. So it's um, definitely two options we should look at. So, Nave, let me turn to you. Um, which projects in your green ship program are relevant for deep sea shipping? Um, thank you, Richard. First, a few words about the green shipping program. Mm. Um, the program, which started in 2015, is a private-public partnership program aiming to find scalable solutions for cost-effective and environmentally friendly shipping. It has conducted several groundbreaking studies and it has started 26 pilot projects of which eight have already been realized or uh, are under construction. If you are looking at green shipping uh, in the world today, you will see that most projects are in coastal shipping. Green shipping program also started there. However, we are steadily moving towards short sea and deep sea shipping. We have even changed the name from Green Coastal Shipping Program to the Green Shipping Program to reflect, reflect this. Many of the green technologies and fuels uh, uh, today tested in coastal waters can also be used in deep sea shipping. We have several deep sea ship owners in the program motivated by this and a desire to learn from green coastal shipping. And then to the question of the pilot projects uh, we have started in the program, I will in particular mention two projects. The first one uh, is uh, the new e-shuttle tanker to Altera, uh, Altera infrastructure, previously TK. Altera is transporting oil from offshore oil fields to the markets. In the e-shuttle, the fuel is LNG combined with VOX, volatile organic components from the cargo, turning large emissions into fuel and batteries primarily for energy efficiency. And these uh, uh, new uh, ships are reducing, cutting the greenhouse gas emissions with 50% and six large tankers are under construction at uh, the Samsung yard in Korea. Altera is demonstrating green competitiveness in practice with employment of the green vessels. The second I will mention is the new Heidelberg cement and fellowship pilot project. It is about a collaboration between two large cargo owners committed to significantly reduce their CO2 emissions. One transporting construction materials such as gravel and sand from the west of Norway to the east. The other uh, grain in the opposite direction. Early July, a tendering process was initiated 
for a 20 years contract for zero emission sea transportation. Around 15 national and international ship owners have signed up for the process. Three will be selected for a qualification project, uh, process the next few months and one will get the 20 years transport contract the next year. Uh, the ship has to be engineered and built for delivery and service in 2023. The result from this pilot project has a huge scaling potential in short sea and also deep sea in the longer run. So th thank you for that. A lot of projects that you're working on and, and thank you for mentioning those two specifically. Is the problem we've got here limited to the alternative fuels or is it the technology on board the ship or the development of the fuels themselves, the, the infrastructure that, that is required to bring this uh, fuel to the, to the ports for use or the actual carbon footprint from well to wake? Now, very what's, what's, your, what's your take on this? What's the biggest challenge? I have a very simple answer here. The biggest challenge, uh, as I have seen, uh, for all carbon neutral fuels is the cost. The cost of produ uh, producing, storage and transporting the fuel. And for many fuels, also the te technology on board the ship. In many cases, we also have new safety risks that we have to that have to be managed properly. I think, Christos, you, you mentioned the safety risk uh, as well for uh, ammonia and hydrogen. Do you see that as the, the biggest challenge here? Uh, I don't see it as the biggest challenge, but a very important challenge, which actually uh, normally uh, is translated into cost because you, you can build a safe system uh, and that comes at a cost. Uh, so just to comment a little bit on that, I think it's... Uh, all, all all of the options that you mentioned they are all very important um, and they actually have to go hand in hand uh, we have seen already with lng that nobody wanted to, in, to invest in infrastructure because they knew there is demand and no one wanted to uh, order an lng fueled vessel before they knew there is supply so they will have to go hand in hand uh, and also a life cycle approach is very critical here to make sure that we are actually using fuels that are low carbon because if we take the extremes of uh, hydrogen and ammonia that are carbon-free molecules, if we produce them the way they are produced today, they're actually not helping us reduce our carbon footprint. We have to produce them using renewable energy. And the same goes for biofuels. We need to be careful on how we produce them. So that's going to be very important. So in any discussion about alternative fuels, it is assumed there is no silver bullet, no single fuel that's going to you know, hit all of our targets in, in one go. Do you accept that that's the case, Narve? Um, as I see it today, there is a rather well-developed LNG infrastructure in Europe and to some extent in Asia, uh, Australia, North America. However, there is, as you say, no silver bullet to reach the IMO 2050 greenhouse gas uh, emission goals. In the long run, we might be able to find cost-effective zero emission fuels and technologies that are scalable in a global infrastructure. Today, we have to test various green technologies, fuels and solutions and make the most promising, cost-effective and competitive 
towards brown solutions. And there is, so the key here is piloting, piloting, piloting. In this early phase, when the green solutions are more expensive than the traditional brown solutions, it's extremely important that authorities provide economic support mechanisms and help to facilitate a green development. If not, very little will, help, uh, will happen. Also, the public charters must show, must show the way uh, for private charters and establish green criteria in all uh, public procurement. In addition, the finance sector should incentivize green investments with attractive loans more than today. So, Christos, what, uh, what Nave is saying there is that there are public and private um, interests need to become uh, more collaborative. They need to work uh, together much more closely if we are to get to the uh, 2050 goal. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely correct. Uh, we actually need to, to work all together. Uh, we need to learn from each other. We need to develop uh, probably different solutions, maybe for different SIP uh, types, and that's uh, part of the reason we cannot see a single uh, silver bullet uh, at this point. Um, and definitely collaboration and building trust between the different stakeholders is going to be very important. Uh, if an owner does not want to invest or ca cannot uh, afford to invest in new technology because there is no support from the charters or no uh, the right regulatory framework or not the right incentives, they will simply not do it. They will have uh, uh, to find another way to comply. So we definitely need uh, building trust between all the stakeholders and that is authorities, uh, ship owners, uh, charterers, cargo owners, technology providers even, um, and we have to make sure that we all work together towards finding the best solutions for reducing our carbon footprint. And uh, this is a period when we have to experiment uh, with different solutions. Maybe in the future, if one of the solutions we're looking at uh, seems to be the best performer overall, we may converge to that solution, but this is very hard to say today. And um, uh, this is why we should keep all our options open. And do you see this this collaboration between all those interests within the industry? Is this actually happening? I think it starts happening. Yes, uh, we see uh, many uh, organizations uh, focusing a lot on this. Uh, and uh, we, we also have many uh, collaborative efforts in the industry including uh, different stakeholders, both uh, ship owners and charters, for example, and technology providers. So this is a very good sign. This is definitely, I think it, it, it starts happening. And uh, we, ha we think that this uh, has to, um, to go even faster. But um, at least the first signs, I think they're quite positive. Thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> deep sea ships delivered now will still be in operation in the 2040s, long after the time when the industry should have settled on the fuel options most likely to achieve our decarbonization goals. Um, ship owners should now prioritize gaining experience with as many of these options as possible. So join us next month for the third in our series of podcasts, assessing how digitalization in all its forms is changing and will continue to change our industry. In the meantime, Christos, 
and Narve, thank you for your insight. Thank you. Thank you.